Law Nation, welcome. As always, I hope you're having a fantastic week, my friends. When you have a minute, go check out escapethebillable.com and snag our free passive investing guide. It's absolutely free. You have absolutely nothing to lose. Go check it out. A couple of years ago, I decided that I was tired of the stock market roller coaster. I wanted out. So even though I own some great stocks like Apple, I knew that someday Apple would become the next Sony. I knew that the stock market would crash again someday. I knew that I had absolutely zero control over it. And even though I was and am an avid product user, I sold my stocks and I cashed out my Roth IRA. I invested that money into cash flowing, appreciating alternative assets and businesses. And even though I took a penalty to cash out, I came out on top. Now, I I wouldn't necessarily recommend this all-in approach to everyone, but what I would recommend is looking at allocating a significant portion of your investment portfolio to alternative assets. One great way to do that without cashing out your retirement fund is to roll that retirement fund over to a self-directed IRA or solo 401k. This is an excellent option to have the ability to diversify your portfolio into alternative assets. Now, previously, we had Jason DeBono on from Newview Trust to talk about SDIRAs, but in this show, I really wanted to take a deeper dive into the intricacies of when you should utilize a self-directed IRA versus when you should use a solo 401k and also dive into some of the tax benefits and ancillary benefits that we didn't talk about in the previous episode with Jason. So excited to have our guest today, Scott Maurer. He's the Director of Business Development at Advanta IRA, a leading nationwide IRA administrator. Scott is an expert speaker in the industry and is also an attorney and a Florida Gator Law alum. All right, let's go. This is the Passive Income Attorney Podcast where you'll discover the secrets and strategies of the ultra-wealthy on how they build streams of passive income to give them the freedom we all want. Attorney Seth Bradley will help you end the cycle of trading your time for money so you can make money while you sleep. Start living the good life on your own terms. Now, here's your host, Seth Bradley. Hey, Scott. Welcome to the show, brother. Hey, Seth. How you doing today? Doing great, man. Thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. Yeah, happy happy to be here. Appreciate the invite. Yeah, of course. Uh, well, let's just jump right in, man. Tell us a little bit about your background and your story. Sure. Uh, yeah, my background. I have a, a educationally. I'm a, I'm an attorney by degree, but I've been with uh, Advanta IRA now for uh, almost 15 years, um, working in the self directed IRA and, and 401k space. Um, so yeah, so my background again is legal uh, from an education perspective, but really my my whole professional career has pretty much been in the uh, in the self-directed IRA space and, and really enjoyed it, learned quite a bit. You know, I started maybe some people listening to this podcast with very little knowledge on the subject. And over the last 15 years, just continue to build. I continue to learn new things in this role. It's exciting. Yeah. Nice. How did you avoid uh, getting sucked into the, the legal practice? <laughs> yeah. Well, the, uh, when I, when I was done with law school, um, Advanta was hiring and I met uh, you know, our owner, Jack Callahan, who's also an attorney. Uh, who doesn't really uh, practice. And so I, I came on board after meeting him and connecting with him that way. Um, I do do a little bit of legal work outside of uh, Advanta, uh, some things on the side. 
I uh, can't do it. You know, I'm, I'm pro prohibited from doing any legal work for Advanta clients. So since this yeah. is my main gig takes up the most of my day, then I, that's why I very little time for, for uh, practicing law. So I wasn't, I definitely wasn't someone in law school that was uh, dead set on, uh, you know, being in a courtroom or, or doing anything like that. So I enjoyed uh, finding, finding something else to do, but still utilizing my degree. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's so many different things you can do with a law degree. I mean, even if you're not sure about practicing law, or especially like litigation or something like being a, a real lawyer, quote unquote, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff you can do transactionally wise and business wise, and it gets your foot in the door. Absolutely. That's uh, like I said, that I've had people make that same kind of comment. I'm not a real attorney because they think real attorneys are the ones in courtrooms battling for defendants right. and plaintiffs. And <laughs> there's, no, there's attorneys that do a lot of different things right. uh, outside of just being in a courtroom. Yeah, for sure. Um, tell us a little bit about Avanta and what you guys do. Yeah, so our, our company is a self-directed uh, retirement plan administrator. So what we facilitate, uh, what we do, we don't sell any products. We don't sell investments. All we do is provide a service for uh, people who have money in IRAs, old 401ks, uh, who want to take that money and invest it outside of the stock market, outside of the, the mutual funds that they're kind of conditioned or, or think that they have to invest in. Um, we allow individuals to take that money and actually place it into a number of different alternative assets, whether that's you know real estate rental properties or syndications, uh, private placements, private stock. Uh, so our company acts as a custodian to hold those alternative assets. And so it's, it's self-directed is the title because an individual uh, account owner is the one finding the investment and then directing us to make that purchase on their behalf. Gotcha. Um, Got it. What, what's your typical client look like? Uh, it's, it, it really varies. So we have a, a few clients who have several million dollars uh, with a, a litany and, a, and a, a huge portfolio of, say, private mortgages or some real estate. Mm -hmm. uh, we also have some individuals who hold uh, just a thousand dollars of a very speculative private stock. Um, so we do have the broad ends of the spectrum. I think kind of in the middle, you're going to find a lot of people who somewhere in that hundred $200,000 portfolio value range that uh, are investing in real estate. I think real estate makes up 75% of, of the assets that we hold uh, in, in some form or fashion. Um, and so it's individuals buying, you know, rental properties uh, down the street, people investing in uh, real estate, multifamily syndications. Um, that's really the kind of the, the bread and butter of our clients. They're certainly, like I said, the outliers that do, do a lot of different things, but uh, that's typically our client. It's only $100,000, $150,000 of, of, of assets, at least that we're holding. I mean, our, our clients may have other holdings outside of Advana, but, um, and it's people investing in real estate is the, is the primary uh, driver, the primary investment that we see. Gotcha. Outside of uh, real estate, I mean, what are some of the other investments that you see them investing in that might not be as typical? Yeah, well, we, well we've, uh, on a, I would say not as typical as real estate, we've seen people do hedge fund investments. Uh, like I said, private stock. So companies who are looking to get started and raise capital through through issuing their own private stock uh, is a big one. People investing in some gold and silver. Um, those are still, so I would say, somewhat mainstream investments that people understand. Uh, sure. We certainly have seen some some odd things. We've had people invest in movie projects, uh, invest in mausoleum crypt uh, titles, actually <laughs> buying mausoleums in their IRA account. Um, so there's definitely some unique things you can get into. I think we had a, somebody, a couple of people have now invested into farm animals. Um, so yeah, a little, <laughs> little bit outside, a little bit outside the norm mainstream, but uh, that's the beauty I think of a self-directed IRA is if you see an investment opportunity, uh, as long as it's not life insurance or collectibles, those are the only two things you can't buy within gotcha. an IRA. 
you could do it. And it's a matter for us of just making sure we can document it properly for the IRS. Gotcha. There's not really too many downsides to that. I mean, because once you roll it over into, you know, a custodian such as yourself, where you have more freedom to invest in different things, I mean, you can still invest in stocks and bonds and mutual funds and index funds and some of those more traditional investments, but you also have the freedom to invest in all those things that you just mentioned. Yeah, absolutely. That, and that's, a, I think that's a really important point you made there, Seth, is a lot of people, if you, if you hear of a self-directed IRA, it's not an, an all or nothing proposition. You could have a, you know, a couple hundred grand in an IRA with a brokerage firm that, and you want to use 50 or a hundred thousand to invest in a, in a particular real estate investment or a particular project. You can just transfer just those, those funds over to us to hold that alternative asset and still maintain your other account. Uh, you're permitted to move money between IRA accounts as often and whenever you'd like, as long as you do the right paperwork each time. So it's, it's not an all or nothing proposition. And in fact, most of our clients maintain an IRA. They maintain another, another account with a brokerage firm and they do move money back and forth uh, between the IRA they have there and the IRA that they have with us. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, why do you think they've become so much? Well, I don't even know if they have, you can tell me, have they become more popular lately? Like in the last few years, I just hear more and more about it. I'm not sure if that's just, you know, the people that I'm surrounding myself with or if it's actually true. Yeah, well, I think, I mean, they, they, they're for, the first bump really in self-directed probably is about the time I started in, in, in 0405 time. Actually, I started in 06, but it was the buildup in 04 and 05 where when real estate was just hot, and as we know now, kind of an unsustainable <laughs> path upwards, yeah. uh, but people were looking for any way possible to buy a property. You know, they, they saw an investment, I need to get yeah. my hands on it. So people started looking for alternative ways to do that. And that's kind of, that was like the first self-directed boom. And of course, the market bus. Um, but then I think over the last few years, it has increased in popularity because we've seen um, you know, just this year with, with the impact COVID had on the market back in April and May. Uh, of course, it's since recovered yeah. and, and doing better. Who, who knows where it's, it's headed going forward from here. But as those rocks, uh, those ups and downs have happened, people have started looking for other alternatives. And I think there are a lot more financial advisors and planners who are aware that self-directed, self-directions out there and they're going to be asked by their clients. So uh, it is slowly getting more and more popular, I think, just now because people are looking for something different than the stock market because they don't always trust it. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously on an uptick right now, but it's just, you know, it's a roller coaster. You never know. I mean, in these companies, they can go out of business today or tomorrow and it's just, you know, it's all or nothing sometimes. So real estate can be a lot more stable or, you know, diversifying into different things like precious metals and things like that. Yeah. I think that's why, I mean, especially like I said, we're, we're, our clients are heavily invested in real estate as a, as a asset class. And I think it's because I think a few things, I think people understand it more intrinsically. You know, people understand if I live in a neighborhood and there's a house for sale, you know, down the block or one street over, they know the neighborhood, they know that you, you could rent that you know, property and get a, a good return on it, mm-hmm. or they could buy a house to flip, or they understand, hey, I, I need to get out of the market. So I think that's, that's definitely part of it. I think people are looking, like you said, for a more consistent return as well. Um, if I can rent this property and I can net a thousand or two thousand dollars a month um, back to my IRA account. You know, yeah, the market may, the stock market may outperform me here and there, but in the long run, I'm sleeping better at night and I am getting a consistent return as opposed to being up 30% one year and then down 20% the next year. You know, it's just, uh, it, it's frustrating for a lot of people. Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, let's dive into solo 401k. So, what are they and kind of what's the difference between that and the SDIRA? 
Yeah, great question. So the, the solo 401k is a unique um, kind of a unique retirement account. I mean, a lot of people probably listening are familiar with 401ks because you, you work for an employer. Um, private companies offer 401ks. If you work for the school board or local government, you might have a 403b or a 457, which essentially are 401ks uh, for those industries. So a lot of people are familiar with those when they're offered through their employer. What people don't realize is if you're, if you're self-employed um, or if you have a side business, you can create your own 401k account. Uh, it's called, in this case, called a solo K that allows you to, to make the same types of contributions that you can make in a corporate 401k. Uh, you can borrow against the plan. Um, so it just offers you a, a few different options. Basically, it's a larger contribution limit than you get with a, a traditional or a Roth IRA, which, which limit you to six or seven grand a year. With a solo 401k, you can contribute up to fifty-five, dollars $57,000 a year uh, into those types of accounts. So, uh, it, so it's similar to the IRA. It's still a retirement account. It still has great tax benefits, uh, but there's a larger contribution limit for people who, um, again, are self-employed or you have a side business and you're really looking to, to ramp up your retirement savings. A solo K is, is, is a great way to go. Gotcha. So the caveat there is you have to have a side business or be, and or be self-employed. You do, right. So if someone, individual who has, say, just a W-2 job and does not do anything else other than that job, it's, it's hard to justify the solo K. Mm-hmm. Um, so with, with IRAs, with traditionals and, and Roth accounts, as long as you have earned income, even if it's through your employer, you can still contribute, make those annual contributions to the account uh, and grow it. With a solo K, though, you have to have a sponsoring kind of business. Again, it can be a side business. It does not have mm-hmm. to be your primary source of income. Uh, you know, you could sell stuff on eBay yeah. um, as your side business and, and have that validate the 401k. But that is an important, uh, I think, thing to note for individuals looking at solo Ks uh, is that the IRS does expect this to be kind of a valid entity. You have a valid sponsoring company or even yourself as a sole proprietor. It's not, you know, simply a way to, to stash, stash funds. Um, yeah. You know, you, you got to have that, that valid setup from the beginning. Gotcha. So, you know, you can set up that LLC or whatever it might be um, and sell your products on eBay, but are there any like financial thresholds or anything like that, that the IRS looks for to make sure that, you know, it's not, you know, it's not fraudulent or misrepresented in some way? Well, yeah, for the, well, for the solo K again, I think they want to see a sponsoring entity. And then at some point with a solo K, they do want you to make a contribution. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you've set up an LLC to, you know, as we use an example, sell things on eBay, uh, at some point, you might have to, you're probably going to need to take a somewhat of a salary from that LLC. It doesn't have to be huge. Uh, okay. And then you should probably probably defer some of that salary then into the 401k. That really legitimizes gotcha. uh, the plan. Um, you know, a 401k that never receives a contribution from the actual account holder is, is a red flag for the IRS. And now, with the solo K, you, you can only roll over other IRAs, other old 401ks into that plan so you have more money to work with. But at some mm-hmm. point, you want to to make at least a small contribution to, like I said, to legitimize it. Gotcha. So, okay. So once you have that business, let's compare and contrast the SDIRA versus the solo 401k, um, you know, what are the pros and the cons? Sure. So the, the pros of an SDIRA, uh, the self-directed IRA, uh, less reporting requirements. Uh, usually the custodian, in, our case, in this case, Advanta, we take care of all the reporting for the IRA accounts um, on an annual basis. It's, it doesn't require any additional filings. Uh, it's a little bit cheaper because you're just simply, um, you know, uh, having an IRA account. You just pay an annual fee. Uh, 
the solo 401k, the advantages are though, again, the higher contribution limits. Um, the disadvantage of the solo K contrasting in the IRA, uh, there is additional reporting. So again, with the self-directed IRA, we are reporting uh, all of the income uh, or in, in the, the asset value each year to the IRS and the distributions. With the solo K, you are the trustee of that plan. And as such, you need to make sure you, you do any IRS filings that are necessary. Now, one, one benefit of the solo K is that you don't have to file anything with the IRS until your solo K is over $250,000 in value. And at that point, you have to file the annual 5,500 uh, easy return. So the filing requirements aren't steep, but it is something that you have to do as a, as a trustee of the plan that you don't have to do um, with the IRA. But the, one of the other benefits, and, and this might be certainly for people that are listening to the podcast, I think, especially when we talk about, you're talking about passive income, mm-hmm. Um, there's a little known tax called UBIT, Unrelated Business Income Tax, that can apply to an IRA account if it is invested in a leveraged real estate deal. So if you're invested in a syndication with underlying debt, or you're looking at buying a property and taking on some debt as part of that purchase, and your IRA can actually be subject to this little known tax. Um, so that certainly impacts then your overall rate of return. Solo 401ks are not subject to that tax at all. So that's one reason we've seen an uptick, I think, in the number of solo 401ks in the last few years is people wanting to avoid uh, that unrelated business income tax. Gotcha. Yeah, it sounds like the solo has some advantages, but there's also, you know, some extra hoops you may have to jump through in order to kind of keep that qualified. I mean, you think about the just having the LLC or that side business, um, you know, you've got certain reporting requirements that have to do with that as well. So it's just a little bit more hands-on. It is. And we do our best to walk you through both of those. I mean, we certainly the IRA will take care of a lot of that work for you. But with the Solo K, we have a welcome packet. We're actually revamping our Solo K to the point where we may actually be doing some of the reporting uh, of the 1099s and those 5500s for people who want us to take on that service for them. Because it's not difficult to do. Uh, it's just making sure that you do it. Gotcha. So I, I would guess that when you get someone on the phone, you, you know, evaluate their situation and then rec- make a recommendation on one versus the other. Is there a particular type of client that you recommend for one over the other? Sure. I think with the, the solo K is going to make sense for number one people, as we talked about, are self-employed um, because they have that ability to make a much higher contribution limit than just with a regular IRA account. Um, it can make sense for people who want to, to be able to access those funds personally. You know, with an IRA account, uh, you cannot borrow from your own IRA. That's simply prohibited. But with a 401k, as some people know because again, they have a corporate 401k, you can borrow from that type of plan. You can do the same thing with a solo. So, so again, people who self-employed want to make large contribution limits, people who may want to borrow from the plan if needed. And then again, the people who are looking at investing in leveraged real estate deals where they want to just negate and not worry about the the UBIT tax. Got it. Got it. And, and a lot of the folks listening probably qualify for that, um, you know, that's business as well, because they're solo practitioners, either as a doctor or a lawyer or something like that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I mean, um, again, and again, sometimes it's the sole practitioners, uh, the sole proprietors. But again, if you have a side business, it, 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 you don't have to kind of create a whole new industry and devote X number of hours to that each each week or each month. It's merely, hey, you have income from this side business um, that will then justify you holding and having uh, that solo 401k. Cool, cool. Um, let's walk our listeners through just the rollover process step by step. I mean, it's I think it's simple enough, just people 
you know, they think, oh, I'm just going to leave it where it is and they don't want to take that next step, but maybe you can go through that and kind of put their minds at ease. Sure. Yeah. And, that, and that's something I think people at, at times get a, get a misconception about um, is that, hey, this is what, you know, what's involved, how difficult is this going to be? And the good news is in one sense, for, for those who don't mind it, it's just paperwork. Um, so it's just completing yeah. the right forms <laughs> to establish the account and then to request either, you know, a transfer from another IRA or, or a rollover out of a 401k account. So, you know, we walk you through that step, but, you know, the first step is establishing the account, getting your information, whether it's an IRA or a solo K and getting that account established. Uh, and then the second step is getting the funds moved from your current custodian. Again, whether it's an IRA or an old 401k will depend really on the paperwork that's involved, but we help you get that those documents completed and sent. Um, it usually takes anywhere from a few days to a few weeks uh, to get the account open and funded. So we can't control how long it takes a brokerage company to, to send us the funds or a 401k company to issue the check, but it, it usually happens within a few days or a few weeks. Uh, and at that point, your account's opened, it's funded, uh, and you're letting us know now how you want us to, to, to place that money. If you have a particular property that you're purchasing or uh, you're investing into a private placement, you're getting us the subscription paperwork. Uh, and again, then we work with you to get all of that documentation completed properly in the name of the IRA. So that's one of the advantages that, that we try to espouse that we have is our customer service is really like a concierge level where we walk you through each step of the process and we're always there to answer the question. So again, people who hate paperwork, unfortunately, it is a, <laughs> a paperwork intensive um, process. But again, we try to make that as easy as possible. Gotcha. At least they don't have to figure it out themselves. I mean, you can literally just walk them step by step. Here's this form, fill it out. Here's this form, fill it out, and we'll handle the rest. That's correct. And, that, and that's, you know, people want to know, some people ask a lot of times, like, why can't I do this through Fidelity? Why can't I do this through Schwab or, or their brokerage firm? Uh, and that's part of the reason there, there's more paperwork, there's more things involved, more moving pieces that that doesn't fit their business model. So it's not that they couldn't offer this as a service. They don't want to because they're set up, their profit margins, everything is set up to go off of selling mutual funds and stocks. Uh, that's their bread and butter and, and the paperwork and what's involved is something they're not interested in, in getting into. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Let's dive into, you know, the tax advantages of investing in these types of vehicles and also the disadvantages, because I, I believe that there are, you know, a couple of downsides of, and you, you mentioned one, the UBIT taxes um, mm -hmm. with respect to using these when you're investing in, in a real estate, uh, real estate opportunity. Yeah. So, so the advantages of investing in an IRA, and this is kind of in general, because this can certainly apply to stocks and mutual funds as well. Um, some, again, some people, when you make contributions to your IRA or to your 401k plan, you may be aware already that you get a lot of times you will get a tax deduction on your current year's taxes. So there's a tax benefit up front to putting the money into the plan. It's the, it's the government's right. incentive for you to, to, to load money into that plan. Um, and then the gains that you have against put aside the UBIT, that's, that's a different issue, but for stocks, for real estate that you're holding free and clear, or if you're getting interest income back at dividends, that income that's being generated is coming back into your IRA. Uh, on a tax deferred or possibly tax free basis. So uh, the Roth IRA um, is the one account that is, is tax free, but for a regular IRA or regular 401k, it is going to be tax deferred income. So the benefit is if you're in a high tax bracket now, making investments through your IRA does not affect your individual tax return uh, until you start taking that money out in retirement. Um, and the benefit of the Roth IRA. Uh, is that is a tax-free investment vehicle. Uh, if you are willing to forego that deduction up front uh, when you place money into the Roth, 
um, you, that money goes in after tax and will grow completely tax free for however you invest that money and, and for, the, you know, for the remainder of the time you have that account. So when you actually reach retirement age, if over your lifetime you've put in say 20 or 25 grand into the Roth and it's now worth 100,000, all of that gain is completely tax-free to you. So that, that's one of the huge benefits that the IRA has is simply the tax-deferred, tax-free growth that allows you to compound your money more quickly. Um, I would say the disadvantage, obviously there's the UBIT, uh, if you are invested in leveraged real estate. So if you're not buying and investing in leveraged real estate, don't worry about UBIT at all. Um, the other is for people who invest in real estate personally, um, they're aware of the deductions and depreciation that they typically can take from investing in real estate. Um, that is not available to you within an IRA account uh, because you're not paying any tax on the income. The one caveat to that is if you do have a UBIT issue, your IRA can take deductions and depreciation to offset UBIT. But for any other investment, um, that's, I guess, again, that's the downside sometimes when people look at investing in real estate with the IRA versus doing it on an individual basis. Gotcha. And, and the way it's been explained to me before as well is, you know, you're not paying taxes on that anyways, because it's in one of these protected accounts. So, you know, being able to take those, you know, the depreciation and some of those reductions doesn't even really make sense. And it, and it, and it doesn't really hurt you because you're, you're not paying taxes anyways. Correct. Correct. And, and to be honest, I mean, they, I mean, as much as the tax aspect of IRAs is important, and for some people, it certainly is a motivator when they see a, a great opportunity and not want to have any tax consequence from, from making that investment. Again, a lot of people, though, choose to self-direct because, as we talked about already, they're looking to diversify, yeah. uh, get some of their money out of the stock market, or it's just, you know, they have the money in the IRA. I could put this in mutual funds or stocks, which I don't quite understand how that all works and why it goes up and why it goes down. Or again, as we talked about, I can go buy a piece of real estate and get a consistent income. And that makes more sense to me. Uh, and I can sleep better. And that's sometimes that's more the motivator than it is the tax reasons. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd love to get your and this is really an opinion thing. But I, I'd love to get your opinion on, you know, traditional financial planners that, that tell you, hey, just plug all this money into mutual funds and, and stocks and bonds. And they don't ever tell you about investing in alternative investments, because it's not in their best interest. You know, what do you think about that kind of misalignment of interest and, and how that kind of propels people to roll their roll their 401ks into these SDIRAs to diversify? All right, well, I guess I'm, I'm a little more forgiving in, in some respect, only because I think part of the reason that happens is a lot of them have no idea because it's never been mentioned to them. So they go to work for a company yeah. and they say, this is what we sell. And you go, okay, that's what we sell. And, and, they're, right. and they're not really, if they're, if they're asked about it, they're, they're told just to, to, to move along. Um, so I don't fault those individuals because it's, it's more of an ignorance thing. It's not a, a willful a neglect, but I have had people over the years say, I talked to my financial advisor planner about it and they were, you know, oh, you don't want to do that. There's all these tax consequences for pulling your money out. And, and they really do try to scare them uh, as a way to do it or that's not secured like the market is. And, you know, for some people, they don't think the market is a secure place to invest based on, on the roller coaster. So, yeah, I mean, and that being said, there are plenty of financial planners, plenty of advisors that I have worked with over the years who do, uh, when their clients ask them about real estate or they ask them about investing into a private placement, say, sure, that, you know, if you want to carve off a piece of your uh, IRA or 401k, here's the way to go. Here's a company to work with. And they, they send them over to us. So, um, but yeah, you're definitely going to have some bad apples in that bunch who are um, just trying to whatever they hold on to every penny they can of their client's portfolio. 
Yeah, I mean, I agree 100%. I mean, I think the vast majority have no malice involved at all. I mean, it's just kind of what they know. This is what their product is, and they, they do believe in it. So I don't, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. And I think it's becoming more prevalent nowadays that they do become well-versed in real estate and have a more you know, diversified knowledge base to um, advise their clients on. Oh, I, I'd agree 100% on that. So yeah, I think more people, I had a guy, I talked to a guy uh, just a few days ago, um, said the exact same thing. He was like, hey, I was looking at, he was looking to do something ultimately wasn't going to be allowed the way it was being structured. But he's like, you know, I'm getting asked a lot about this for my clients. So it's good to have your contact information because you know, the, the good advisors, I think, who truly have their clients' best interests at heart, when they're asked a question, um, rather than, than lie or mislead, they're simply, hey, if this is really what you want to do, uh, here's a place to go. Um, you know, and, and they'll end up seeing some of the benefit on the back end when the client is earning a, you know, a lot of income and they don't know where else to put it. They might very well take it back to put it in some mutual funds or some stocks while they're, while they're waiting for their next deal. Yep, yep, absolutely. Uh, before we jump into the Freedom Four, any last golden nugget for our listeners? Um, yeah, I, I think again, for people who are listening there, they might already be on board with, uh, with real estate and, and other types of passive income, uh, investments, um, just look to use your IRA as a, as an, as, as a possible alternative. Again, a lot of people don't realize they have that old 401k sitting out there, um, IRA funds that, that, that can be used. Uh, and I think it's important. I always like to mention whenever I do, um, any speaking engagement that, it's important for any investment you make that you do your due diligence. So even if you're investing through Advan and you're buying real estate, uh, that's not our role. We're not going to evaluate right. the investment from a suitability standpoint. Uh, it is up to you to make that decision. Um, so, and, and that, like I said, goes for any investment, even if it's mutual funds or stocks, don't just blindly pick uh, different, <laughs> different assets, get some, get some guidance in, in whatever you're investing in. And uh, especially in the, in the real estate community, um, use your network, you know, meet people um, that, that have, have already done what you're looking to do and, and learn from mm -hmm. them and listen to them. It's, it's, there's a lot. And I would say there's also a ton of free advice that's out there on the internet. You don't need to pay 20 or 30 grand for some course on real estate investing. You can, can learn it all on the internet for, for, for basically next to nothing. So. Yeah. It's all out there nowadays. No excuses not to do your research. And that's not to say that it, this, there's not advice worth paying for. There's, there certainly is. And services right. worth paying for it. As, as you know, fellow attorney said, you know, people could form their own LLCs and they could probably look online yep. how to do it, but there's no stand in for actually getting someone <laughs> to do it properly for you. So exactly. Um, the trick is knowing what to pay for and what not to pay for. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right, man, let's jump into the freedom Four. all right. It's time for the freedom Four. So what's the best thing you do to keep your mind and body healthy? Um, best thing to do with body healthy, and this might even be mind and spirit as well, is I uh, coach my son's soccer team. Uh, I've done it out now oh, cool. for a couple of years. And so it's always good to get out two or three times a week, run around with the kids, um, you know, enjoy teaching, teaching as well as, uh, you know, we play along with them as the coaches. Um, nice. So it kind of keeps me somewhat active. And, and for my mind, I really, um, I don't do anything specific every day, but I'll grab uh, a crossword puzzle or some other mind um, yeah. engagement. I even there's the uh, you know I even play some video games every now and then that have that like skill or strategy around to it. I don't play a lot of it, but I'll do it every now and then just to kind of I think it helps keep me sharp. 
Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we kind of do the same thing over and over in our jobs every day. So it's good to get something kind of outside the box where our minds, you know, stays pliable for new things. Right. Like I said, I don't, I don't have like, I don't have like a Sudoku book that I go through and do one a day, but if, <laughs> but if I come across a puzzle, like, you know what, I'm going to sit down and do this now. It's just another little thing I can spend a few minutes to, to help keep, keep my mind sharp. Yep. For sure. In an alternative universe where you weren't involved in your current business, what would you be doing? I think without a doubt, I'd be golfing and pretty professional. <laughs> nice. If you're looking for like, what would I be? What would be my other profession if I could do yep. it? Uh, professional golfer. I don't, I used to play a lot when I was younger I had kids don't play as much as uh, I certainly used to, but I think being able to, to travel around the world or the country and play all these great courses and, and do that for a living would be, uh, be incredible. That'd be the dream, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Where were you at five years ago and where do you see yourself and your business five years from now? Um, so five years ago, I was kind of in the same role, but I think what's been exciting that's happened in the last five years, I think that's going to be, uh, really set us up for five years going forward, um, is we were still kind of getting our feet under us with, with a sales process and, and, and how we operate our business and how we reached out to people. And that's something we've worked hard at, uh, in the last five years, five, again, five years ago was not where it's at now. Um, and it took a little time. And I think this is a good tip for people who are in any business or industry is, is really make sure you get the right people working for you. They don't necessarily have to have all the knowledge in your subject area, but if you get the right people working mm -hmm. for you, you can train them and then get them to obviously to, to mold into your company vision. And that's something that, that we've been successful at the last few years. And so I think five years from now, um, you know, our company is simply going to be growing that at that much greater clip um, based on who the right, putting the right people uh, in the right positions to succeed. For sure, man. You'll get there, brother. How has yep. passive income made your or your clients' lives better? Uh, certainly for our clients, I mean, the over 7,500 clients that we have at Advanced IRA, um, you know, we get compliments. Although I guess, not only, I, I wouldn't say it's a compliment to us. It's more a compliment to the client themselves. But they're happy that they found our service because it's mm -hmm. enabled them. They said, hey, I wish I'd known about this, you know, a couple of years ago. I wish I'd known about this sooner. Uh, I would have been doing this all along because they're seeing the benefits of getting the money out of the market and simply yeah, putting it in a real estate investment um, that kicks off cash every month. Uh, one of my, yep. one of my favorite clients we have, uh, I think he has probably 10 or 12 different real estate syndications. He just invests passively in other people's deals mm -hmm. uh, with his IRA account. And he calls it mailbox money, mailbox money. He just loves hey, every month I go down to the mailbox the checks are there. I send them to you to deposit back to my IRA account. Uh, and then he takes money from us. So it's, it's made it easier for him. He's retired and he just sits back and lives off of those investments. I think that's you know, the goal. I think for anyone uh, investing is to get to that point where your money is working for you um, yeah. and, and where you don't have to do much for it. So for our, for our clients absolutely has made their lives, lives much better. Um, being able to, being able to take advantage of alternative assets with their retirement account. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. When you start getting those checks in the mail and you're like, Oh, whoa, this is interesting. And then it's just consistent time <laughs> after time. You're like, Oh, okay. This is how this works. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Scott, man, it's been great having you on. Where can our listeners find out more about you? Um, go to our, you go to our website at advantaira.com. Um, I would say that also, if you, if you have questions, basically some of the things we talked about today, maybe something I didn't, I didn't, we didn't cover that you had a, had an interest in, uh, you can give me a call directly. My number is 727-581-9853. My direct extension is 1123. 
again, if you go to advanceirie.com, you can go to the Our About Us page and get my direct email from there as well. Uh, I'm always happy to, to jump on a call, even if, it's, even if it's not really related to what we did, but you have a question on IRAs in general, give me a call, give me a shout. Um, if you're looking to raise capital, uh, if you're someone out there listening who says, hey, I'm looking to, to reach more people with self-directed IRAs, we can help you out with that as well. So give me a call. My, I'm always available for, for a 15, 30-minute call, whatever's needed. All right, brother. Talk soon. Ah, the mystery of UBIT taxes is solved. I loved that interview. Scott is such a great and knowledgeable guy. And obviously, I love that he has the legal background as well. If you're thinking about how you can get started building passive income streams, rolling your traditional retirement account over into something more independent, like a solo 401k or an SDIRA, it's an incredibly powerful way to start buying back your time. If you'd like to talk about more passive investing strategies such as these, hit me up at seth at passiveincomeattorney.com and don't forget to grab your free passive investing guide at escapethebillable.com. Catch you next time. Enjoy the journey. Thank you for listening to the Passive Income Attorney Podcast with Seth Bradley. Do you want more ideas on how to generate multiple streams of passive income? Then jump over to PassiveIncomeAttorney.com for show notes and resources. Then apply for the private Facebook community by searching for the Passive Income Attorney on Facebook. And we'll see you on the next episode.